You saw it was out there. It's gonna keep coming. If there's trouble, come find me. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am also Mike, and I'm here today to discuss the 2023 Netflix Oscar movie slate potential with a returning guest, my buddy, Andrew Morgan, of the podcast Recent Activity and the website What's on Netflix. Andrew, welcome back, buddy. Good to see you, sir. Ciao, Papa. All the uh, lovely things (laughs) that we can say to each other. You know, uh, it's been too long. Happy to be back on the pod. I miss you. I, I know you're living the co-host life, and I, I love listening to you and Shane and and Chris every week uh, at Recent Activity. Yeah. You know, I'm just I'm wondering how that is, and I'm wondering like you marketed this podcast, every film, every show, all at once, yeah. and then everything everywhere all at once wins Best Picture. So yeah, how is that podcast life treating you? And are you a prophet? I am a prophet, uh, <laughs> much like the uh, that announcer on Ted Lasso where he said he doesn't like giving predictions anymore because all of them were right and he wondered whether he was a prophet that's where i'm sitting right now uh where i'm just always right uh, and that's how it works um but yeah podcast life is good uh shane and chris it's a it's a nice adventure we um we started the podcast uh in late april early may so like we are still off the high of everything everywhere all at once and still being like Mm. a phenomenon and all that stuff. So it was a cool little tagline to put in there. We like that every film, every show all at once thing. Um, but yeah, it's going well, you know, uh, it's where we are. We're out of dumpuary. We're getting some good stuff early (laughs) on in the year. Um, I am, I gave my first five star review of like the last three years with John Wick four. So come at me. I'm in that kind of mood, I guess maybe, (laughs) um, you know, when something halfway decent comes along, I'm like, yes, it's the greatest thing ever. So, but, uh, yeah, that's going great. Uh, loving the writing for what's on netflix.com. Um, been doing that since the summer, uh, doing weekly Mm -hmm. movie reviews for them. So always a good time. Uh, and you know, looking forward to hopefully, uh, better movies ahead, uh, for the Netflix slate. Yeah, and if you guys want to know if you should watch Chupa on Netflix, you should read Andrew's article, Should You Watch Chupa on Netflix? Yeah, Alfonso uh, Cuarón's kid. That's, it's <laughs> yeah, wild. Yeah, you'll find the answer. Yeah. Uh, I'm, glad I, uh, I'm glad I read that today because uh, let's just say, let's just put, I'll leave them in suspense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, uh, we, we do got some work to do here. It is an episode that, I need you on every single year because we have asked this question, it seems like, since the podcast started, Mike, Mike, and Oscar. What is the Netflix big three? Now, you started this, I believe, with me. Yeah, my And you became obsessed over it. Yeah, and then I became obsessed over it because (laughs) they did spread out their campaign bandwidth uh, over the years, and they they still do. Uh, they're, They're a huge company. They can, they should. And Netflix is still going for for Oscars in a major way. Last year was fun with the All Quiet on the Western Front coming out of nowhere yeah. in a way at the BAFTAs, and and you got some momentum late there. I know you know listening to your show, you had some hyped up Oscar takes, <laughs> but you know I didn't prepare this question for you. I'm sorry, but I am curious. You know your fallout on the Oscar season. Before we get into this, do. You, 
are are you kind of pleasantly surprised by how well it went considering you know how few you kind of had going into you know the best picture contention kind of you know in in the winter there before all quiet got some mo yeah i mean all quiet getting four oscars you know is is a huge deal i know netflix has put uh, a premium on uh their international slate um especially going into they have a massive korean slate this year but they've also really done a lot with germany poland uh you know and a bunch of different other countries so They've really tried to push for that, and having All Quiet pay off is a big thing for them, of course. Um, the other thing that they've been salivating over, and we've talked about this in the in the past couple of years, they really wanted to win Best Animated Feature. And for them mm-hmm. to get multiple nominations and upend Disney uh, is a huge deal for them. I, I don't know if they're going to have the same type of success this year. I think they really you know, <laughs> struck gold with getting someone like Guillermo del Toro, but... That was huge for them as well. So I think when you you know this, Mike, we've been at the festivals or pay attention to the festival circuit. This is not what they were going for. I mean, obviously Pinocchio, yes, right. but like the all quiet thing was not exactly what they were hoping for. They were looking at things like white noise or glass onion, and then Bardo, yeah, yeah. Bardo, and then like. You know, even on the documentary side, like Descendant didn't do what they wanted to with acquiring that at a Sundance. So, you know, they they really surprised me the fact that they got this with. We've always talked about oh, Netflix leads the pack in nominations, and they score what two or three Oscars, and maybe one of them's like you know documentary short or you know live action short right. or something that they like just squeezed in there last minute. So. It was, it's not usually as impressive. The All Quiet performance is impressive. Them winning Best Animated Feature, uh, you know, for the first time mm-hmm. is, is a big deal. So, you know, you'll take what they can out of it, especially because it seems like, and we'll get into it more as we go along, they're, you know, tipping towards being blockbustery entertainment more and more every year and less and less towards Oscars, even though Ted Sarandos would probably tell you otherwise. <laughs> I think there was a prediction maybe three years ago by Prophet Andrew yes. that uh, that Netflix would eventually start to function more like a proper studio, a traditional studio, and it does seem like they're moving that way. Yeah. And speaking of, they're kind of in the crosshairs, the nexus, if you will, of a lot of the recent Hollywood news, and it's been very bullish on theatrical exposition or or exhibition, one of those two things. (laughs) And we've heard stories about Amazon and Apple over the past month since it kind of broke on Bloomberg that they are committing headlong into theatrical. We've seen it in the past with Amazon, Amazon Studios, that is. And now after MGM was acquired, we have the first of many upcoming Amazon Studio originals coming back to theaters with Damon and Affleck's Air, which uh, I liked quite a bit. I don't know if you saw that yet. I haven't yet, no. Yeah, check it out. It's kind of a... It's, we're... we're um, you're. 40 i'm almost 40. anyway yeah, i'm in the tank we're for old enough damon to- and affleck you don't have to worry about me i'll catch it this weekend when i'm not dodging yes, mario bullets you know we can roman handshake across the interwebs on this one <laughs> yes. and amazon is back in a big way with with that film uh hoping that uh mgm etc uh will, will make it successful at the box office i'm a little curious on what that means for them uh but we also heard 
that Apple is going to platform Killers of the Flower Moon from early October into late of that, you know, uh, October 21st or whatever, uh, in terms of a wide release uh, for Killers of the Flower Moon, the big Scorsese play uh, through Paramount's production, uh, excuse me, through Paramount's distribution team. So I'm wondering what you make of Amazon and Apple both seemingly going hard towards theatrical. Well, you would think, based on the articles, that it's like some altruistic move to support movie theaters, right? <laughs> but, you know, the way I read it is Amazon and Apple want to get back into a certain mold. Amazon, because they acquired MGM, is performing MGM business. And Apple, you know, is trying to get in business with these big-time directors that will not come to a streamer anymore unless you give them theatrical distribution to go along with it, including, obviously, Mm. Martin Scorsese, who already had some level of a deal with Paramount before that was acquired by Apple because of the gargantuan budget that Scorsese had and a potentially three-and-a-half-hour-long film. Again, thank you. Um, Love you, Marty. But uh, basically, you know, they had to make these promises to get in here. So I don't think this is some, like, oh, look at, uh, you know, the movies are back, theaters are back, and now we're going to, you know, jump in the business. I think they have deep pockets, and I think they wanted certain projects, and I think it makes sense for them to, you know, kind of go all in on these projects that they promised. Your Napoleons, your Killers of the Flower Moon, your F1 movie with Brad Pitt, uh, you know, uh, however those go. And then obviously Amazon dealing with the MGM slate of whoever was promised anything. And, and the air thing, as I understand it, you know, was a la- more last-minute move. Um, but right. What they're doing, when Netflix has 230-something million subscribers, they don't need to do Mm -hmm. what Amazon and Apple's doing. They're, like, at half or less uh, by either of them, by any metric you look at with subscribers. And they're doing what Netflix do with, what when they do theatrical stuff, except they're beefing it up a little bit because they have to, where... Right. You know, we you have said in the past we've 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 gone out to our local theaters and seen Netflix movies, and they'll be out for like a week, maybe two, if it's like an Oscar mm-hmm. slate type of thing, like a Power of the Dog or something. And you know, it'll it'll we'll never know how well they do, and that they are <laughs> out basically as a marketing tool, and you know they'll platform it that way instead of having to run constant ads or constant other types of marketing. But, you know, that's their way of doing it. And when, you know, The Irishman came out, you know, Netflix did a similar thing. They were out in theaters. But weirdly enough, I mean, nobody wanted to play with Netflix back in 2019, you know, 2018, 2019. So uh, that was a different thing altogether, and now it's like, oh, it's Apple and Amazon, and they have like deals with Paramount and MGM, like traditional studios. So now they'll be like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. We'll do whatever windowing you want. We'll make any deal you want. We just need more movies because, as I understand yeah. it, Q1, yeah. um, they're, I think, something like you know 15% down from 2019's box office and also happen to be 15% short in actual movies that are out in the movie theater. So I think that kind of coincides. So yeah, they're more open to having streamers, especially if they're tied to traditional studios in there. So 
Yeah. I think it's more just out of necessity and out of uh, marketing and deep pockets, flexing deep pockets more than any kind of thing where, you know, Netflix is not going to play that game. And I guess we'll get more into that as it goes. Yeah. Speaking of the games that the industry is asking Netflix to play, the, the there's some scuttlebutt going out there right now. Uh, again, from the past month or so, well, maybe more the, more like the last two weeks. Matt Bellany of Puck in the town, he's been all over this. But there is a rumor that the Academy is going to expand the theatrical eligibility requirement for the Oscars, especially for Best Picture. So if Oscar qualifying will jump from what I think is two markets, they got to play in two markets yeah. out of the out of a, a choice of six for a minimum of what is it 10 days or something like something that, like that yeah. I, don't, I don't remember uh, forgive me but if that oscar qualifying will now require a theatrical release of let's say rumored to be 15 markets instead of two which as ann thompson put it on screen talk today probably affects the ifcs and the magnolias maybe more than the netflix but everybody's bringing their attention to netflix because they obviously have these qualifying runs that are seemingly small in terms of the number of markets. However, I'm wondering if it, this rumored change is actually going to do anything uh, to change how Netflix does business in movie theaters. Because as you said it, we have been going to Netflix movies together in many instances around our state like we'll go to uh, we'll go to North Haven together we'll go to New Haven once in a while well uh, I went to Norwalk for the power of the dog to rewatch that I remember yeah we went so if they're Stanford, playing in, yeah sure yeah if they're playing in our markets and in, in, in four Connecticut cities that we know of I wonder if this is even a, a thing like Netflix seems to be playing in enough markets no I would think so when they care you know, it's interesting, you know, because I think they'll be more choosy about what movies they want to deem awards worthy if this is how it's mm-hmm. going to go. Because, you know, getting into 20 markets, if you're Netflix, like you said, they're not an indie. So if they really want to do it, when they do that for Oscar playing stuff already, you know, they, they, they do this already. But, like, obviously right. if the eligibility is different than they might have to do it for you know multiple movies when they don't want to or uh you know because i can't imagine it's gonna hurt international features more than anybody um and i think it'll hurt you know maybe some of the smaller movies that they didn't want to do it because maybe they might think twice where they think it has enough juice to go yeah, I actually think I actually think there's a whole other set of requirements for best international feature. I like hope you so. could debut, yeah, you could debut in, in America much later. I think the markets are actually worldwide too. So if you like play Paris, that counts. Sure. I, again, I forget these. I forget. It seems like I I relook them up every year and then I forget them again every <laughs> year. But uh, yeah, I, I, I could I could see that in, in a sense, in, at least in terms of the you know, the, 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 the niche Oscar eligibility plays, but, uh, yeah, I think international features its own, its own animal, but yeah. I mean, that would be helpful, but you know, it's, it's one of these things that I think, again, to use power of the dog as an example, they totally 
had it in a lot of different markets. I know a lot of people yeah. I've seen on film Twitter, friends of ours, like all over the country. They're like, oh, I'm going to go see Power and the Dog while I can in theaters. And they mm-hmm. did it, you know, not in just New York, L.A. We got it here. We got it in multiple spots. And, you know, I know even just uh, this past Oscar season, you know, I saw White Noise in the theater. I saw, you know. Uh, glass onion i've seen which that was a whole different thing we can get uh (laughs) into but you know a lot of the contenders that they had were available in the theaters and they have been in this time of year when they really want to push it so i don't know how many they would have to quote add if they need to but i don't know if i was them i'd still be a little mad that it's like yo we bought movie theaters so we could do this and you're and you're gonna make (laughs) us just keep going and going do you want us to buy you want netflix to buy a theater chain they might do it keep pushing them (laughs) yeah keep keep pushing them right um well there's a reason why we're we're devoting a whole episode to to netflix though it is i'm sorry it's not just profit andrew here it is because (laughs) the the slate is huge yet again so before uh before we get into uh, this late, I do want to ask you one more question about the sh- recent shakeup uh, in in the Netflix film promotional structure and 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 the, their creative departments there because Lisa Nishigura and Ian Bickey are out. They were very famous for bringing in documentaries and a lot of indie films, uh, respectively. There, uh, we you know speaking of IFC that I mentioned earlier. You know, he is now in charge of the Paris Theater, who yes, one of correct. the main IFC executives. Is this a cause for concern to you at all? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any reactions to these departures? I mean, it's a it's a loss, and I mean, for people like us, it seems even bigger, of course, because we care more about the 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 smaller films, the Oscar films, the indie stuff. And when she left, she was the VP of independent film and documentary. And like you said, you know, she was, she was there a long time, Lisa Nishimura. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she started in like stand up comedy, you know, like 20 years ago, she was in the DVD oh, cool. age. She's been there a long, long time. And, you know, she's backed a lot of the Oscar plays that have worked for them. And even the popular stuff, like making a murderer, like she was, on the front where that was supposed to be a doc feature and then it got split into the series. And then when that series mm-hmm. blew up, they made a bunch of those type of series. And that basically is like a Netflix staple now. So she's always had a good, uh, taste barometer. She's always had a good, uh, finger on the pulse. Uh, she's always, she's been really good at like kind of molding what a piece should be to be Netflix friendly. So I think a lot of that stuff is very underrated, but as far as Oscar stuff is concerned, I mean, she backed Power of the Dog. She backed, you know, the Obama agreement with the the higher ground stuff with uh, yeah. uh, American Factory, Crip Camp, et cetera. And, um, you know, even the current films, there's current films that she was working with that, you know, are we're about to talk about, Rustin, Nyad, um, you know, things like that, that she was working on in the independent film portion of her job. So... Her and Ian Brick, like, they they really had a lot of juice in the industry. Like, they were well-known to a lot of people. So, you know, those type of people, it's hard to see go. But, I obviously, it signals what we were kind of talking about, where for years they've been slowly but surely, you know, doing less and less on those two fronts and getting more into 
what you know what movie can they do with gal gadot this year or whatever you know or jennifer lopez or like bring, bring in stars and bring in blockbusters versus worrying about you know small movies that we used to like that would maybe be independent spirit plays or you know uh gotham plays and and just for the sake of having good stuff on the platform and i think a lot of those have gone by the wayside in the last few years yes and we the two of us have been bonding over the years by how much netflix has patroned you know the young up-and-coming indie filmmakers and the documentarians and they've They've really made an impact on the documentary boom, like you said, yeah. making a murderer, starting tr- starting up true crime. And Lisa Nishigura is, is certainly a representative of that change, and it's kind of a bummer. So it, it is it, – I'm concerned as well, and I, I think it's going to kind of play out a little bit into the start of this Netflix Oscars slate or kind of – you know, as we get into the movies of the Netflix original movie year now, uh, we'll give the people what they want. We'll go kind of movie by movie per usual, folks. <laughs> and I want to start with the fact that I agree with you on Luther, the Fallen Son. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, it was part of your top five. So just we're both Luther fans, and uh, I, I, I kind of like that. Uh, I think, I think Murder Mystery Two was a lot of fun. So you and Mike both steered me in the right direction. I just watch Murder Mystery 2 before hitting record with you today. Uh, so I was glad you guys did that. And those are obviously two big name properties. Uh, we still get a fun, very intriguing Furies, which is the loose sequel, as you wrote, to the original Fury, which was Vietnam's best international feature selection, I believe, in 2018 or 19. I believe 2018, and, yeah. And I'm excited to watch that now because... You 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 saw it. What, what can you can you drop any uh, information on Furies? Yeah, I mean, it, as as I put it, I think in the initial uh, part of my review, if you have extra bloodlust hanging over uh, when you watch John Wick Four because they came out in the same weekend, just you know, easy click over to Netflix to turn on Furies <laughs> to watch. You know, uh, these uh, women who were you know taken off the street um, and had. Awful, awful backstories of oh, you know, sexual assault and and uh, you know drugs and and just uh, ugh, just awful things that are run by these you know guys who are like uh, mafioso heads or whatever in mm. that area, and they would get trained to basically infiltrate and kill them. So I mean, you know, like I said, if you have extra like gum fu energy or like that kind of style and want to see like their version of it. You could definitely do worse. I I also want to say, like, yes, for how much I put Luther and and Murder Mystery Two, they are flawed movies. So it's been a it's been a tough Q one, but I would say those are still some of the better ones if we're we're talking, and that's why they made my top five of Q one at least. Good, yeah, I definitely added Furies to my Q, and the director is Ngo. And she, yeah, I, I thought I thought the first Fury had a had a uh, some badass scenes to it, even though some some of the you know transitional stuff was was tough tougher to watch. But uh, you're, you yeah, you're right on. So uh, with, with her talent, uh, I also want to mention that I'm with you on the Magician's Elephant, and I've Adorable. learned the title finally. <laughs> it really was very cute. It was it was a beautiful uh, animation first and foremost. Like that is next level. Like the cloudy purple sky. Yeah for that entire film was gorgeous and 
The Magician's Elephant reminds me of the Sea Beast from last year. People seem to overlook that, Andrew. And I do wonder if the Magician's Elephant is something the animated feature branch comes back to. Maybe, like the Sea Beast, it takes the Annie Awards to bring the Magician's Elephant back into the conversation for animated feature. Uh, it's going to be a big, robust slate that we're going to get into about... Uh, the animated feature category this year. It seems like they got five or six contenders, yeah. but yeah, you you are a huge fan of the Magician's Elephant. Yeah, this was my number one of of the first quarter for them, and I think it has a better story to me than Sea Beast. I think it has a lot more compelling characters. The voice actor list is absurdly good. I'm sure you saw mm. it, like Mandy Patinkin, Brian Tyree Henry, and, and many others. Like it's it's an impressive, impressive cast. So, um, and Asif Mamvi, who used to be uh, the Daily Show correspondent, and has been in a lot of comedies over the years. Um, amazing as the king, he's like brings <laughs> the whole piece to life. It's it's awesome, awesome uh, voice acting in that. They really made him pop. So. He he was fun. I didn't know that was him. That's, that that makes sense though, because he's he's a ride. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's like I said, deep roster, good animation, solid story. I love the use of uh, the the kind of game, the hoops that this kid has to jump through to get the elephant. Um, and it's a wish fulfillment movie, which you know everybody loves if it's done correctly. So you know, I I, I was a big fan. I hope for the same thing you were saying for CBS. I hope it gets maybe late life. It didn't get a ton of views like CBS did, but it, they also didn't publicize it as much, and it didn't have as much of a prominent director that was poached from the Disney, you know, side of things or any stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it might be a late breaker, but we'll see. I, I hope for it because I don't know about the other ones in this slate whether they're going to be as tough a competition besides maybe some established uh, people in this category. I'm definitely rooting for this film i hope it uh i hope it has some oscar legs i hope it surprises some people uh the next movie i want to bring up though is a sundance play it's undated right now uh in terms of when it's coming out on netflix but it's fair play this is chloe domont uh phoebe phoebe divinet divinor denever sure <laughs> yes <laughs> Denever is my guess. Yeah. Alden Ehrenreich, Eddie Marzan. Now, I don't I don't know if you saw Fair Play at Sundance. I did not. I, I was so bad at my selections. I don't know if you felt the same way where I was like, all the ones that people were raving about is like, ah, I just couldn't get into. Uh, like physically, like I was trying to get online and they didn't have access. They really limited it this year. They did. Um, they so did. I th I feel like the ones that I was able to get into, I was like, very unimpressed by so sundance let me down this year as opposed to last year i couldn't shut up about it so sundance get your act together give more online access yeah i agree i agree as our our listeners know i was like i was like one for everything i felt like i saw 10 good movies i ended up watching 30 in total <laughs> right uh, I was, it, it's it's rough to see 20 films that you're not a huge fan of but fair play was kind of a, a a tale of two halves to me. Like the first half's really great in my opinion when it's a Machiavellian dra drama and then it moves into like thriller territory where I don't necessarily think it worked as well. So I am wondering if this is going to be as big of a hit as it seemed. They they acquired it for big bucks 
and we'll just have to wait and see if Fair Play becomes perhaps a screenplay contender. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's an indie spirit contender at the very least. Mm-hmm. But that is Fair Play. I, I do think we'll have a couple more Sundance. Uh, possibilities uh, for Netflix later in this episode. But uh, let's get into the slate that I have for the fall. And Pain Hustlers is the first film coming out late October uh, on the 27th. Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Catherine (laughs) O'Hara, Andy Garcia, and Pain Hustlers is directed by David Yates of the Harry Potter movies. Liza dreams of a better life for her and her daughter so she gets a job at a bankrupt pharmacy. And Liza's guts catapult the company and her into the high life, not knowing that she will soon be in the middle of a criminal conspiracy andrew pain hustlers what do you expect um again like this is kind of another one of those plays where i don't i don't believe this to be an oscar play i think it's got the 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 names that they want you know emily blunt chris evans people that have uh especially chris evans has worked for netflix multiple times uh and is a, a big star for them you know obviously gray man was their big centerpiece uh, uh on the mm-hmm. action slate last year so you know i i feel like this is trying to to tack into uh what was uh i'm trying to remember the the michael keaton movie and there was uh on Hulu, yeah, yeah, or, oh, yeah, yeah, the the show, yeah, the, the show, show. Sorry, no, we'll we'll be doing this forever. I I don't. Remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of like pharmaceutical takedown movies and things like and shows and things like that that were Emmy nominated and and really uh, got a lot of buzz. I think it was Dope Sick or something like Dope that. Dope Sick is, so, is is correct. Um, and you know, so those type of things, you know, once something makes noise, everybody tries to make their copy, and I think. This, especially being a New York Times uh, article that they took about it, and fentanyl, honestly, of all the drugs right now, scares the crap out of me. Um, oh, yeah. Because, you know, not to get too off topic, but like they were saying, you know, because it's such a small amount can o- make you OD. So they were saying mm-hmm. that to get people hooked, they were putting small amounts on dollar bills in parks and having you just pick them up and it gets in your system because it goes through your skin that way. What? Yeah. It's bizarre. Oh. Yeah, never never listen to the horror stories of uh, therapists and social workers you know in your life because it'll, uh, you know, turn your hair white. So, hmm. but, you know, so this does, you know, interest me in that way. Um, and a lot of these, you know, doctors over-prescribing painkillers and other such things and the abuse that has come is very topical. So I think a lot of people will watch it. I'll watch it for sure. I don't think it has very much Oscar legs, though. What if Catherine O'Hara actually makes me forget her role in Schitt's Creek and Home Alone and all the Christopher Guest films and puts on like this bravura performance and shocks us all? Maybe then Pain Hustlers will win all the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll move (laughs) on to Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget as we go chronologically here. Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget, November 10th of 2023 bella ramsey zachary leave uh leve uh, oh my god levi thandy newton nick mohammed of ted lasso amelda staunton etc having pulled off an, do i really need to read the uh <laughs> synopsis of- <laughs> premise of chicken farm 2 look i'm like what the hell is going on here with chicken run dawn of the nugget like you're personifying these chickens 
the most eaten animal on the planet, and they're trying to escape being eaten. I'm guessing, yeah, right, to save the the to save all the chickens in this stupid premise. But the subtitle references the fried fast food, the bite-sized version of chicken that everybody eats the most. What are they doing here, Andrew? You know, just one more movie trying to capitalize on the popularity of John Wick. I mean, it's just, you know, (laughs) he's like, (laughs) I just want one of the chickens to turn and go, I think I'm back. Where, you know, they just, you know, break back in to to the farm that they got away from and trying to save everyone, you know. I would I wouldn't be shocked if there's, you know, just tremendous gun violence and uh, you know, smashing glass and, and a lot of like neon. That would be great. Um but no, I think this is their version. They've they've had this, they announced this uh, a couple of years ago, you know, because the animation takes so long and you know mm-hmm. this is when they were still very thirsty for that best animated feature and trying to challenge and the first chicken run was a very big success. So I think if they think they can you know capture it twice and it's it's a they've always been very hot on trying to get franchise stuff too so if the second one works and maybe they have the rights and they can get a third one and keep it going you know revitalize something why not especially if you know maybe uh, mel gibson leaving is a little bit helpful in this in this scenario too so they can move on with the franchise and and try to do it so yeah, is it is it something that we're going to be running out? I like the first chicken run, so uh, no no arguments. Um, but that was twenty years ago, so you know, is there still big chicken run fans out there to uh, garner enough attention and maybe get some Oscar push? Maybe. So we'll see. I probably shouldn't neg the uh, the the studio that brought us Wallace and Gromit and The Curse of the Were Rabbit and those movies. I mean, a lot of those are very exactly. good. Sean yeah, the sure Oscar it's... nominee, Sean the Sheep, right? Too Sean the yeah. Sheep, right? Yeah. Farmageddon, Farm- Farmageddon. <laughs> they Dawn of the Nugget and Farmageddon. They know their subtitles. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, again, we're going on the calendar here. Also coming out November tenth is David Fincher's The Killer. This is starring Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, Charles. Parnell, an assassin begins to psychologically crack as he develops a conscience, even as his clients continue to demand his skills. Andrew, you and I previewed this movie last year on the same show (laughs) in our year in preview series. This is not exactly new ground for a for a an assassin movie necessarily at least in terms of a story premise but this is based on a very popular graphic novel novel as you told me last year are you still super stoked for Fincher's The Killer Yeah I mean as a as a fan of him and as a fan of him getting back to to basics if you're not going to give me more mind hunter then you have to do this for me. Thank you, David Fincher. Um, but he he's had this on the burner for a very long time, I think 15, 20 years. I think this was the movie he wanted to follow up seven with, like that long wow. ago. And he's back to having the same screenwriter uh, that he used Kevin for Kevin Walker. Yeah, so, um, which he did that other Netflix movie last year or two years ago, the one with... Um, Oh God! Hmm. This, this you do this in the show too, where I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind. All the, time. the one with um, sh- shrinking. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. Help me out. It's Jason Siegel. Yeah, it was Jason Siegel. It was. Oh, I like that movie. Windfall. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote that movie too. So he's worked with Netflix before, uh, in in that regard too. So, listen, when Fincher is doing. What he does best, the this dark, 
noir, thriller, you know, some action, some psychological craziness with it. Sign me up. Uh, he's never going to go wrong when he's doing mm-hmm. these. So I'll love it. Do I think it has Oscar potential? Absolutely not. Because every time, no matter how Ooh. good they have been historically, all these great movies that we love from him when they get dark and violent and nasty, they never go to the Oscars. He gets nominated hmm. for Mank. He gets nominated for Benjamin Button. He gets nominated for the like the lighter side or, of David Fincher. You never see him get nominated, or at least in a big way, like a director nomination or best picture thing, for the stuff that we hold near and dear, your sevens, fight clubs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So will I love this movie? Probably. The cast is amazing. <laughs> I love his style. And we saw a little snippet in their uh, sizzle reel that they came out for 2023, and it looks terrific. But, yeah, I don't see Oscars for this one, though. The Killer is a movie I hope to be Oscars level with the new Academy. Let's all put our hopes on the new Academy. Everything, everywhere, all at once got to win last year, (laughs) and that was a cool-ass genre play. So maybe, possibly... They'll remember Fincher as, you know, the guy of Zodiac and Seven. And may- maybe they will, Andrew. Maybe they'll change. But uh, you're, you're probably right. Uh, again, on the calendar in November, moving up, we have Leo. This is an Adam Sandler animated film about a 74-year-old lizard named Leo <laughs> and his turtle friend who decide to escape the terrarium of a Florida class- school classroom where they have been living for decades. Uh, November 22nd, lizards live 74 years, Andrew? Sure. And I'm asking you this question because I'm a little <laughs> concerned. Adam Sandler can use his whitey old man voice from uh, Eight Crazy Nights, or he can use... The other voice, the main voice. Which, which is he using, do you think? Hey, listen, you know this man has range. You've seen all the Hotel Transylvanias. You know, he, he could throw that little uh, extra, you know, Transylvanian stank on a little twist on it to uh, make sure we know it's not him. No, of course, he does the same voice every time. And um, he, uh, he did... Um, the they did the sizzle reel, and this ended up in the sizzle reel, and you hear the voice in there. So you do. it is more it's of his tra- his traditional voice. <laughs> it's it, you know it's a schlabadoo type of voice that we're all we all love <laughs> from the Sandman over the years. I believe this was part of um the Sony deal, which they keep getting these extra little animated projects from mm-hmm. uh, over the years. So you know, is this the one that's going to be? Into it. I, they didn't really strike gold essentially with the Sony deal. I love the Mitchells versus the Machines. I think it was one of their better uh, movies, uh, especially on the animated side that they've done in the last few years. So, um, I, is this going to be that? I don't think so. It doesn't have the kind of the pedigree. But you know, I like the cast. Shock that Nick Swarsden and Rob Schneider are here. Of course, um, you know, really floored me with that one. But uh, we'll see. Uh, How many times are we going to get the Sandman voice, and how many times are we going to get Sandler on Netflix this year? It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, But Stephanie Hsu and Cecily Strong, you never know. Maybe Leo's got a chance there and Best Animated Feature at the very least. Uh, We'll move on to December 8th's Leave the World Behind. This is Sam Esmail of Mr. Robot. Leave the World Behind stars Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, 
Mahala Herald of Bodies, 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 and the premise reads, family drama based on the upcoming novel by Ruman Alam. I shouldn't call that a premise. It's it's pending, I guess. Leave the world behind, Andrew. I love the first season of Mr. Robot, and I never went back to Sam Esmail's second season. Are, are you familiar uh, with Sam Esmail's work? Yes, um, I did go a little past where you were with Mr. Robot. I thought it started to lose me after this, really? uh, towards the end of the second season, how it went on from there. Um, but I loved uh, the first season of Homecoming on oh. Amazon, the one with Julia Roberts, who is also in this movie. Uh, and it's incredible. So if you haven't seen that, I love that. Another kind of like, you know. Good. Therapy, pharmaceutical thing, all that stuff. Uh, very, very good. But um, basically, this one it intrigues me because I don't know if you're a fan of uh, like shows like The Leftovers or yeah. you know uh, even Lost to a certain extent. This one basically is about uh, a family that goes on vacation. Uh, they leave New York City to go out into I believe maybe like Long Island or somewhere out there, and um. They're told by the people who own the house, they like rent the house. It's like a B- Airbnb or something. They come and they tell them that essentially there's been a horrible like ex- extinction level event or some kind of terrible thing. And it's the hmm. decision of do you try to go back to New York City? Is it actually on fire? Do you believe these people? You know, and it's kind of this this mental play and, and the kind of way we interact with people. It's not about the, the, the big event. It's about how we treat people based on class and race and, and the lack of trust we have for people and all these other things. So it's like, it's much like the leftovers where, you know, and it has that inciting event where a bunch of people just vanish. Yeah. And then, but it's not about that. It's about how people react to the vanishing where they get deeply religious where they think you know none of this matters anymore and Hmm. and just want to die there's like a million different ways you can go with it and i love the leftovers for that and it feels like that and i like sam asmel's work he hasn't done a feature in a very long time um he's like we've talked about he's been in the tv realm but you know how can you go wrong with ethan hawk julia roberts mahershala lee kevin bacon it just goes on and on and I, I'm I'm geared for it. I think this is going to be a big one, and it's got that that key date, that December date, mm. that looks promising. Like they have real faith in this one. Prime real estate, absolutely. Leave the world behind. Uh, finally, we have Rebel Moon coming out December 22nd from Zack Snyder, Jenna Bal- Jenna Malone, Sophia Butella, Charlie Hunnam, Carrie Elways, Corey Stoll, Anthony Hopkins, Jimon Hansu, Michael Huisman, Ed Screen. Rebel Moon has a plot premise that reads, A young woman seeks out warriors from other planets to fight the tyrannical armies terrorizing her peaceful colony. I'm wondering if they make more of a theatrical play with Zack Snyder's big sci-fi epic here. This is supposed to be like the start of a franchise, they hope, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Basically, he's been calling it all along his Star Wars. He's had this idea in his head for for quite some time, and obviously Hmm. the premise kind of echoes that kind of thing. And yeah, Snyder has a huge fan base, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see... At minimum, uh, the one week theatrical release, or if it's okay. going to be even more, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if it was. And for again, uh, a December release, 
that they want to put out there. And, you know, even Army of the Dead, which, you know, I don't is nowhere near the scale as this, but also was Snyder. I mean, they put that out in theaters for at least a week, if not two, before it came out around here anyway. Uh, so I would imagine that they will put, you know, the full court press for this <laughs> one. And especially I haven't looked to see what the the slate looks like for other studios around the December period. I know this past December, they really cleared out for the avatars of the world and everything else. So if there's some openings and they don't think they have a ton of competition, they might do a bigger push. I think. Yeah. That, that that's going to be fascinating to watch how Netflix play Netflix plays rebel moon for sure. Uh, I'm going to be looking out for it. Uh, that that's, that's fun to, to think about. We, uh, we have a lot of dates this year, and I forgot to ask you this question earlier, but it seems like like Netflix is scheduling these movies from much further out. In years past, Andrew, am I misremembering, but it feels like they've only scheduled the summer by the time we talk about their quote-unquote Oscars movie slate in the spring. Yeah. So what, yeah. what's the deal with that? Why do you think they're they're scheduling so much further out? I think because they had these in the can for a while because a lot of these got pushed back. Some of these, like Maestro is teased. We're going to talk about that in a minute, uh, mm. that it might come out last year. Rustin, they thought, was going to be a 2022 movie. Uh, there, uh, We're going to talk about that. Like, There's a bunch of movies that we thought were going to be coming out last year. Um, you know, The Mother got pushed back. The Clone Tyrone got pushed back. Like, there's a lot of these movies that I've heard about for okay. years. So I think they, when you have them in the can, you know where you're at. You can put more dates out there. And and especially maybe, you know, they're trying to send a message with some of the dates, like we've talked about with where they put Leave the World Behind and Rebel Moon. And it's something to put in the sizzle reel. Like, hey, here's what we got coming up. And look at these big stars to go along with it. My hope was that they at Netflix would kind of lean in more to the promotional apparatus that is set up with all of the media ready to, ready to, to tout these films. And I, I think every outlet kind of does all the, the preview stuff in their own right so that they were learning in a way that they, if just by putting the dates out there and putting some information on these films out there, they can have the what's on Netflix's right you know, however many pieces on it and, yeah. and kind of engage you guys more. That was my hope anyway, but you kind of have much more of a pragmatic focus on what they're doing. They're just, it's, it's done. It's ready. <laughs> they can say it. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, we do want to get into the undated, uh, but expected because there's 2023 next to the title on Wikipedia, which is uh, uh, certainly a Netflix original movies list that I have engaged not quite as you over the as much as you over the years, but uh, certainly of late. Maestro yeah. is the first of these films. Bradley Cooper as Leonard Bernstein, Carrie Mulligan, Maya Hawke, Michael Yuri of Shrinking, Matt Bomer, Sarah Silverman. The screenplay of Maestro is by Josh Singer of Spotlight, The Post, First Man, and Maestro's mm -hmm. premise reads: the comp the complex love of Leonard and Felicia from the time they met in 1946 at a party and continuing through two engagements engagements a 25-year marriage and three children we saw bradley cooper in this getup for a while now this was very deliberately marketed in a way and leaked in a way <laughs> that i think a lot of best actor best actress 
campaigns have started. So what what are you expecting with Maestro? Yeah, I think this is a, a key film for them that they are really excited for. I mean, you're following up Bradley Cooper, who also co-wrote uh, the film, directing again, uh, putting on all the hats again, like A Star is Born, and hoping for a similar result. I mean, you mm. got a tremendous cast. Cooper, Carrie Mulligan, Maya Hawke, Sarah Silverman, Matt Bomer. Uh, you, you can't get any better than the, the trio of Cooper – Spielberg and Scorsese producing your film. So, I mean, that is a heavyweight entry. Mm -hmm. The one thing, you know, I will obviously, I think they wanted to put this out last year. Maybe, I don't know if it was fully ready, but obviously a lot of people say maybe they were scared off by tar and some other things that, you know, hit similar notes Mm -hmm. uh, to borrow a phrase. But like, I think that this one is going to be locked and loaded and ready for the the you know the last quarter uh to to make the the push i don't know if they're gonna do this platform in the festivals if it is you would think you would have heard maybe a little bit more really uh, obviously obviously we're not gonna talk about can right because netflix and can have their own yeah. issues and they're not gonna do mm. that because they don't like the windowing and everything else or at least i won't be in competition so where this will land what I would assume New York Film Festival, maybe me and you get to do Let's a little, do uh, it. yeah, centerpiece uh, or opening night kind of thing for that, uh, which they did, you know, with Power of the Dog, they did with White Noise, they like doing the New York Film Festival, so hopefully that will be a thing. That would be incredible. Um, but yeah, this is definitely going to be one of their their key shots. My only thing, and we'll get to it with another one coming up soon. Are we flaking out on the Oscar bait biopic, uh, biopics? Hmm. Are we, like, because, again, <laughs> when we're in the era of the everything everywhere all at once and what did work and Elvis getting kind of, like, a lot of nominations and then getting sandbagged at the Oscars, <laughs> like, I really wonder if we're kind of moving past that a little bit in the, after we had the Bo Raps and Judy's and all the other things we've had over the years does it stall here? I don't know. A Star is Born also didn't perform as well in wins that, you know, that one was. So, ugh, I, I really don't know how to judge this one. That's a good point. I wonder if Film Twitter is actually going to back this movie, though. I'm not wondering. I'm, I'm pretty sure they will because we're finally going to learn what Leonard Bernstein really thinks about his most famous protege, Lydia Tarr. So that's going <laughs> to yes, happen. of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to Nyad, I believe is the pronunciation, directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Cha Vazarhelyi, former documentarians of Free Solo, Meiru, The Rescue, climbing and or and or spelunking documentaries <laughs> that i love i absolutely love those those three uh nyad stars annette benning jodie foster reese and fonz and nyad's premise reads a 64 year old marathoner swimmer diana nyad attempts to become the first person ever to swim from cuba to florida so with this directorial team making the transition from documentary to live action narrative features if anybody can do it, they can. They can make swimming across a, a, a large uh, body of water as cinematic as all hell, right? Yeah, and did it without a shark cage. So <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. Uh, 
yeah, her story was already a uh, subject of a documentary that went to South by Southwest uh, a decade ago, The Other Shore, um, that was up for the Audience Award that year. So it did well huh. enough, at least back then. I so, missed that one. That's like one of the – I would have totally watched that if I was aware of it. Yeah. Uh, their story is incredible. I did a little uh, Googling, like Googling myself on their story, and it is incredible because I wanted to know, especially because when you're talking about – uh, Annette Benning, Jodie Foster. I wanted to be like, who's who? Because mm-hmm. uh, Jodie Foster's listed first on like IMDb and some of the other ones, but she's not uh, uh, Diane, uh, Diana Nyad. So th- she is more mm-hmm. of like the the coach, the supporter. Like they had their own uh, fitness business stuff together in between uh, the years where she actually um, broke the record for like open swimming already before this run when she was 64 years old uh but this is what she teased and said she wanted to do for a long time and then once she decided to do it she got her old friend uh and you know coach and and all that to to bring her back into the fold and and make this attempt and oof, it's it's an incredible story and these are like humanitarian people who um I, I read that they did like a walk from um like I forgot where they started, but they walked all the way up to Maine from like at least down here, or they did the whole East Coast. It was some wild thing, and they do all these long walks where they half the time are walking and half the time doing Habitat for Humanity. They're like the most perfect huh. people ever. So it's an incredible oh. story. I root for it. Um, and they, you know, Netflix loves open water stories apparently because uh, they did True Spirit. Uh, with the child prodigy who, uh, you know, rode, uh, did like sailed through like seven key touch points going from like Australia through Africa and South America and all the way back. Mm. Um, uh, that was like a movie that came out early in the first quarter here. And then they also had a lot of success with the swimmers, which I'm sure you caught uh, last year. I did. The, yeah. The Olympic. Uh, solid. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. I, I have uh, high hopes for it. I don't know if, again, this is going to be Oscar level. I want to see, hmm. when it comes to Netflix, you could tell really quick with a trailer what you're in for because of the, the budget look and how they how much style it has. And I'm assuming, with again, like you said, with these documentarians that we're going to get a lot of style. But is it going to play? How many movies are they going to take to market? There's a lot of things going on, but I am excited to watch it as just a story and a, and a, and a viewer. Well, I'm very curious to watch that trailer as well, because if they're pushing a net bending in a big way for like performance driven work yeah. in Nyad, that would make some sense. Like if she's got any, if she's got anything close to what could be a best actress winning performance, that would make some sense because she is certainly as due as anybody uh, not named Samuel Jackson. But we'll move <laughs> yeah. on to Shirley. This is Regina King as Shirley Chisholm, starring the late, great Lance Reddick, Terrence Howard, Lucas Hedges. Shirley is directed by John Ridley, who is a producer on 12 Years a Slave. Uh, this follows the biopic uh, about Shirley Triz- Chisholm, America's first black congresswoman. It's hard, Andrew, it's hard not to think of Wanda Sykes on the History <laughs> of the World Part Two yeah. and the many skits in that ridiculous, ridiculous Hulu series that I watched for some reason. Some were <laughs> insanely 
funny. Don't get me wrong. But uh, surely I'm going to watch that that movie and think of Wanda Sykes. There's no doubt. Yeah, it was like a Jefferson's reference, right? Like they did the whole sitcom <laughs> yeah. thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, it was tough. Yeah, the uh, I love Mel Brooks, so I did also watch a lot of those. I was very underwhelmed and very sad to say that it, yes. it hurt my soul, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, this one... I feel like Regina King's the story here as far as the Oscar stuff goes. I think it's a centerpiece and she's been knocking on the door and whether it be stuff she directed or other projects, you know, uh, that, you know, obviously it started with one night in Miami and, and really had some, some momentum uh, still going on uh, throughout the last couple of years. So I hope the best for it. I don't love that this is, you know, kind of like a, like a first big feature for John Ridley, you know, we'll see that doesn't always play well. Um, hmm. but we'll see. And again, this is another one of those, like, I love the story. I wonder if it seems on its face, a little Oscar grabby with the new Academy, not maybe being so much in love with that stuff. And it might get like a nomination, for Regina King as the best case scenario. So you um, think there's a biopic backlash coming? You, you I, believe? I, it, I think it's been happening, and especially uh. I, one 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 big thing I've been saying a lot uh, in the last few years, and David Long knows this because he's been my guy to come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out on bummers, so yeah. like they have been, like especially I don't know if it's a post COVID reaction where like we went through so much that like we all just want stuff that you know, pops and makes us feel alive. Um, look at what's won, you know, Coda surprising yeah. everything everywhere all at once. Like these last few years have been these like kind of more uplifting stories and, and the ones that do so are the ones that like the power of the dogs fall to the side. All they quiet. Don't, yeah. all, well, I mean, all quiet gets, didn't get. It's a bummer. It's a bummer story. It's a I mean, bummer. There's, there's no way but, around it. But yeah, that's that's one of those things with the international feature and and war stories always play a little bit mm-hmm. better. But again, it didn't win best picture and it didn't get uh, certain other upper level categories. But I guess the point is is like these type of movies feel more '90s and 2000s than it does now. Okay. And I wonder where it's going to go. I think again, Regina King, I think has a big shot. Everything else, I'd be interested to see how it lands. And I don't know who said it anymore, if it was Mike, if it was you, if it was me. But we did forecast this during the pandemic. The bummers were not going to win. And uh, we picked Coda. We picked everything everywhere all at once. We sucked at all our other predictions, but best picture we've been getting right (laughs) anyway. uh, Spachemin? Spaceman? You son of a bitch. That was my joke. You didn't put in the doc. You son of a bitch. I was like, it's right there on the T. Is it Spachemin? Dr. Spachemin? (laughs) Dr. Spachemin. Is this a 30 Rock? Side project, yeah. Well, I mean, apparently we're friends for a reason because exactly. Thirty Rock <laughs> is the best show. I love that. Tracy Morgan, good God, and Alec Baldwin, very funny on that show. DFA, oh, yeah. shout out. Spaceman is coming July of 2023. Why didn't I move it up into the dated sections? But anyway, Adam Sandler, Carrie Mulligan, Paul Dano, directed by Johan Rank of Chernobyl, Jakob Prohaska, orphaned as a boy and raised in the Czech countryside by his grandparents, overcomes his odds to become the country's first astronaut. Is this Adam Sandler's Oscar play this year? 
I don't think his movie with the Uncut Gems guys, uh, their last the name. The Safties, yeah. The Safties, thank you. I don't think that's coming out this year, the sports card movie. So this is Adam Sandler in a movie that we previewed, I believe, last year, Spaceman. Right. And apparently he talks in this novel, he talks to an alien spider in space. Correct. Which makes me think this is going to be batshit or this is going to be <laughs> not necessarily Oscars fair, but who the hell knows, man? And, and Carrie Mulligan's overdue after Promising Young Woman and, and her career. So, I mean, she's got two shots here from Netflix movies, Carrie Mulligan. So what do you think of Spaceman? Yeah, it's weird, right? You see Sandler next to uh, a bunch of people who have complete Oscar pedigree in recent memory, too. So you're like, oh, of course. But yeah, then we start going with, you know, guy losing his mind in space talking to an alien spider that may be <laughs> something that he's concocting in his mind. And it's Adam Sandler. You don't know how. Th- I want to see again. I want to see uh, uh, what tone this film is going to take i want to see a trailer i want to see it to have a summer release i don't think they feel probably that it is going in that direction but it might be entertaining as hell so and i love the sandman if i can if i can get through (laughs) murder mystery 2 i think spaceman will be a hopefully a pleasant surprise um but yeah, to get the guy who's you know working on chernobyl to then work with adam sandler it's like Okay, so because is uh you know the guys from Chernobyl are also working on The Last of Us. I don't think it's the same yeah. same same people, but yikes! Like in terms of temperament and everything <laughs> else, uh, you know that show is incredible and will probably win Emmys when it's got cauliflower head people. So that you yeah. know maybe Alien Spider is going to be that new Vogue thing. It's going to be the hot dog fingers of this year. I don't know. Uh, everything could be a surprise, you know, but uh, no, I, 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 I don't think it's going to be that type of film, but I think hopefully it sounds very entertaining. Is Paul Dano going to be the voice of the alien Schneider or is or Schneider, Schneider. or Rob Schneider? <laughs> yes. Is the alien yes. spider going to be an alien Schneider? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All of the above. I hope uh, yeah. if the spider looks like Rob Schneider, then it's got you know we've gone in the weeds and and we're never coming back. <laughs> we're just there, the the big thing though. Yeah, Sandler doing a Czechoslovakian accent. Oh God, that's what we're in for, and that's what this movie hinges on. If he, if he Sandler's this up, if he really like you know makes it comedic, I don't know. Like if it turns into the Zohan you know, or whatever territory <laughs> or whatever accent he's gonna try to pull off, uh, that's that's gonna be tough. But just yeah. just give me the song Station Sixty Nine adapted <laughs> with Mr. Schneider and Sailor. Anyway, uh, exactly. we'll move on. We'll move on to undated the piano lesson. Uh, Samuel Jackson, John David Washington in, in an adaptation of an August Wilson play. The piano lesson has a plot premise that reads. Follows the lives of the Charles family as they deal with themes of family legacy and more in deciding what to do with an heirloom, the family piano. Now, obviously, this is August Wilson, but didn't Samuel Jackson already make a movie about a musical instrument? I think it was a violin. <laughs> yes, yes. He was like a hobo playing the violin. Yeah. The one yeah. he was a hobo, yeah. the, the red was, violin, I think. Yeah. Right. Was Robert Downey Jr. in that? No, I'm I'm mixing. I think in that one. No, 
Um, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> but yeah, with this one, listen, it's again the same type of thing. You know, is it going to be? I think Ma Rainey exceeded expectations, even though it had that great cast too. Uh, but of course, that was a pandemic movie, so mm. I think they took advantage with that. And it, and it what won a couple Oscars uh, for uh, Netflix that year. So, you know, I wouldn't say no on this mm. one uh, uh, to have those two guys at the at the helm of this. That would be great. And I knew they you know snatched it right up after my reigning success. So we'll see. I mean, August Wilson does pay off. You know, fences, fences was a success, yeah. and 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 wherever it goes, so I would never count it out. Uh we'll just see. I I remember, I believe they won mostly in, you know, craft stuff. It was costume and and hair and makeup and things like that that they won instead of say Viola Davis, uh, for those type of things. So I don't know if these maybe have meatier parts that we're gonna have, uh, potential there in the in the acting court categories, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, if it looks cheaper or if it feels more stage play instead of what George C. Wolf was able to kind of maneuver and making that yeah. less of a chamber piece and, and less claustrophobic and less stagey, hmm. uh, a less play like and made, you know, key changes, especially towards the end of that film that made it more cinematic. That's when we're looking at maybe something bigger. Still but, Annette Benning and now Samuel Jackson punchers chances from Netflix movies this year, we're going to talk about one other big, big name who's well overdue. Uh, John David Washington, I wonder if Denzel is a producer on this. I should have done more research for the piano lesson, so we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, the next movie I have here is Rustin. Coleman Domingo is starring as Bayard Rustin, Chris Rock, Glenn Turman, Jeffrey Wright, Divine Joy Randolph, Michael Potts, Audra McDonald, all-star uh, in a film directed by George C. Wolfe of Ma Rainey's fame, as you just mentioned. And Rustin has a premise that reads, Gay civil rights activist Bayard Rustin organized the 1963 March on Washington. Another best actor play that has been publicized for a couple years now after the release of stills of Coma Domingo as Bayard Rustin out there with two hands in the air in the the still and, you know, transformation uh, to an extent, I would say, but Coleman Domingo's just been a cool ass actor who's been putting up great work for over a decade. And he's been very uh, praiseworthy, very praiseworthy is a weird way to say it, but he's been (laughs) beloved in Ma Rainey's Zola. If Beale Street Could Talk, I think, really got his Oscars train going. And then you got somebody like Chris Rock, who we thought last year was his, like, year to capitalize on the Oscar, but he was in that terrible movie, even though he's the best performance in Amsterdam. But I I don't know. I mean, we're going to talk about Divine Joy Randolph. I'm wondering if this, like Ma Rainey's, is going to be more of a performance play. What do you think of Rustin? Yeah, again, we got George C. Wolf, so why not, you know, have that Ma Rainey magic and get some Oscar play in here too? But yeah, I agree. They teased the the pictures of this early. They did the Maestro thing that we were discussing early, you know, trying to trying to drum that up. I love the range on Coleman Domingo. You mentioned a lot of those performances. Also, this is uh written by Julian Brees, who did work on When They See Us, which is a perfect match for this, and also uh, Oscar winner Dustin Lance Black, who uh, won for Milk 
oh, wow. uh, back in the day as well. So that's a heck of a combination. It fits very perfectly into the type of story that this is. Yeah. Uh, as you said, like a gay civil rights leader uh, doing the march on Washington and everything else. So um, I, as you said, this clearly is a Coleman Domingo play. Um, I I love the cast otherwise. Uh, you know, Glenn Turman, who was in Ma Rainey, you know, Jeffrey Wright, Divine Wright, Joy Randolph, yeah. uh, Emil Amin uh, from uh, This May Destroy What's the It May Destroy Us? This May Destroy Us? What was uh, that a huge HBO show? Right? HBO show that I didn't watch. I, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's playing Martin Luther <laughs> King Jr. So you, you have a lot of uh, very good actors and actresses in here that I think uh, it, it should be a big play. I think it should definitely work for them. But again, it falls into that Shirley zone of. How much are we on biopics anymore? Okay, but so we'll see. Because I again, may... we just went through. Um, yeah, uh, blonde. Well, blonde. Of course, that was a whole other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Hannah yes, it was. No, yes, what was, was the uh, movie I saw at New York Film Festival? <laughs> you're Son doing of... it. I don't. I know. What? But you're doing the Mike one thing right now. What did I see I last year in the fall at the festival? <laughs> anyway, <sighs> I may destroy you was the first earworm here that um, you forgot. But uh, Michaela Cole, uh, I, I didn't watch it either. I, I want to watch that. I, it's on my HBO Max feed. Uh, I have to check it out. The biopic from uh, that wasn't called Tar. <laughs> From the New York Film Festival. Till. Till. Oh, Till. Is yeah, kind yeah, of where yeah. I was going with that. Where um, that one, you know, again, a lot of people thought that that was going to have more legs, maybe even have even multiple nominations, little on the it one for, for Detweiler. And, you know, this falls into that category where it's like, have we heard or seen similar stories where people tune these out? You know, I don't want that to happen. I, I'm very interested in seeing this film. I just wonder. It has to be extra special and some of these extra special performances to mm. really get into the Oscar category this year. Um, so, yeah, especially when, you know, 47 known actors are in Oppenheimer. You know, you got <laughs> uh, a billion people in Barbie and all these other high profile, uh, you know, the dunes of the world and, and everything else. So, yeah, it's going to have to take some really noisy performances to, to win over. It's going to be competitive this year for sure. Uh, we'll move on to a couple animated possibilities. Escape from Hat, Leak, a desperate and magical rabbit rallies an unexpected band of allies and undertakes an impossible quest to escape from inside a magician's hat and defeating evil black cats as Leak returns to the human boy he dearly loves. Escape from Hat has a great premise to match the great title that Mike One wishes he was here for, folks, because <laughs> he's been predicting Escape from Hat uh, for a couple years now. What do you think? All I can think about is that South Park episode where, like, Hat was, like, a, a murderer on death row or, like, some kind of serial killer, and they were, like, yeah. trying to root for Hat, and it just turned out like they were rooting for a guy to get out of prison. Um, so, but, yeah, this one, I don't know. I don't, I, like, it feels like it could be, like, luck from last year where it's, like, interesting okay. premise. Let's see how it executes and, and see where it goes from there. But, yeah, with any of the animated ones, I want to know – I want to see a trailer. I want to see more okay. and see the style because a lot of those is that's how you get in the door, right? Absolutely. Nimona 
is uh, going to star the voice of Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz Ahmed, animated feature again. Nimona is the only person that can help Knight Ballister Boldheart, to, what a name, to prove <laughs> his innocence. He is framed for the for a crime he did not commit. Nimona, Andrew. Yeah, they, they've been touting this one, too. I think this might have also been an acquisition at some point for them. Okay. And so maybe it counts a little bit more. But I think, again, a lot of these are just them trying to beef up their slate and try to get more in with families and, and trying to get that entertainment uh, side for the family slates. You've seen it even on the live action side. They've really tried to go more family friendly. Uh, you know, with even with Chupa, something like yeah. that that came out over the weekend. So, um, th- again, we gotta wait and see on this one to see what the quality <laughs> is and if and how it's gonna go. But this one that I have at least seen around for the last little bit that maybe right. it has a little more juice. It's been a little on some people's lists. Finally, I'm very curious to ask you about the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. This is Wes Anderson's uh, film after Asteroid City. Ray Fiennes, Benedict Cumberbatch, Rupert Friend, Ben Kingsley, Dev Patel, uh, Richard uh, Ayeoad, uh, and this is based on a story by Robert uh, Ronald Dowell. Uh, chronicles a variety of stories, but the main one follows Henry Sugar, who is able to see through objects and predict the future with the help of a book he stole. I'm guessing this is animated. Did I? Did I? No, no, no. This is okay, live well, action. So whoops. this is Benedict Cumberbatch right in the middle of it. Um, uh, you would think again because Wes Anderson and the match of Raoul Dahl. Um, you know, the classic hmm. children's author that, he, you know, he had a lot of success with Fantastic Mr. Fox and that was animated. But okay. no, this is live action. Um, this is part of the, you know, uh, Netflix bought the entire Raoul Dahl library uh, okay. and have a bunch of different projects coming through. And they've had uh, so some su- some success with that already. Matilda's and, a musical there. Yeah. Right. So we got Wes Anderson recapturing that. Um, and Benedict Cumberbatch seems like a perfect casting from all the stuff I've read uh, of how this goes. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, again, another weird one because it is Raul Dahl. I uh, can't escape how crazy his stories are. <laughs> but I think if anyone's going to do well with it, it'll be Wes Anderson. But I think it's not going to be like an Asteroid City where you're going to see, you know, okay. maybe some some more Oscar-y stuff. It, this one's not going to be a can. Mike, if that's how you want to play this really? one. But okay. I, I, I would say I, I still have a lot of high hopes that it'll be very entertaining. Henry Sugar. I wonder if two Wes Anderson films will come out in the same year or if this will get pushed. Uh, and, yeah, I put it in the wrong section. That's why you're here uh, to correct <laughs> me. Finally, High in the Clouds. Apparently, this is an animated film adapted from a Paul McCartney novel. Yeah. This is a late ad. Do you have any info, info on the High in the Clouds? I'd be shocked if this one comes out by the end of the year. Um, it's one of those that I've seen kicking around. Animation takes so long, but I've yeah. only really heard um, them acquire the rights of the book in the last couple of years. So I'd be shocked if it was out by the end of the year. But I, I'm very interested. Look, like the I've seen the the book and some of the animation stuff like that it looks very cool. Um, and how cool would it be to have a beetle at the Oscars, right? Yeah. Like, so why not? Um, but I, I, I would be surprised if it makes it by the end of the year. All right. That's all of the films we're going to go through one by one. I'm wondering if we missed anything, though, because I have been rating Wikipedia for 
all of these titles and the mother starring Jennifer Lopez action drama comes out in May extraction Two, Chris Hemsworth, obviously going to be a big play for eyes. Extraction one set all kinds of records. According to Netflix, that's coming out in June. They clone Tyrone. As you mentioned earlier, John Boyega, Jamie Foxx, Tayona Paris, sci-fi mystery comedy. That's in July. Uh, Heart of stone, Gal Gadot, Jamie Dornan, spy thriller coming out in August. Damsel, Millie, Bobby Brown, Angela Bassett. This is going to be a fantasy action film coming out in October. Uh, a family affair, Nicole Kidman, Jack Efron, Kathy Bates, a romantic comedy coming out in November, Andrew. Otherwise, we have completely undated and perhaps further down the road, but Scoop, starring Gillian Anderson, I'm guessing a journalism drama by the title. And finally, to, to, that, to give you guys that name that was promised, The Deliverance. This is Lee Daniels of, of uh, Precious, Andre Day, Monique, Ingenue Ellis, Ellis, Rob Morgan, and here it is, Glenn Close. <laughs> a lot of Oscary names in that bunch. Certainly Glenn Close. Maybe she picks off a supporting actress from The Deliverance. Maybe not this year, maybe next year. Any of those titles scream Oscar potential to you? Have I missed anything? I would say no. Um, okay. and, and in fact, uh, Damsel, I believe, they said is probably getting pushed to 2024. So that Sadly, even though that was, again, in the sizzle reel, like only okay. a couple months ago, uh, I think uh, the bad news came down on that, that I think that one's going to get pushed. Um, Scooping the Deliverance, I hadn't seen that uh, it will probably land in 2023. So I would probably say don't hold your breath on those. Especially, are we getting Sunset Boulevard this year or is that next year? I don't think is so. Is that even? No? Okay. I have not heard about it. It's that it hasn't been a part of the... Uh, the Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Oscars year in preview, so. Right. So I wonder if they're going to wait to maybe try to, you know, latch themselves to the big Glenn Close year coming soon or something. I don't know. Okay. But uh, I, I wouldn't think that's for 2023. And a lot of the other titles you had, I mean, you're talking genre fair, blockbustery types um, that we're going to see probably do big numbers for Netflix, a lot of viewership. Uh, based on the type of actors and actresses that you're seeing here that will pop off the screen. Although, I, I, I need to sit down with Gal Gadot. I, I, need, I need her to be in a movie that I actually enjoy. I don't know if this is like Red Notice fatigue, uh, yeah. how I didn't love the Wonder Woman sequel. There's a lot of stuff where I'm like, I need you hmm. to like wow me. I need you to be well, in on pick- something that... Better yeah. scripts, maybe, yeah. Exactly. I think she's going through a little bit of, like, she's a star, and a lot mm-hmm. of people, be, you know, are not going to take maybe some some more interesting roles because they need to be a star. They need to be front and center. They can't take an ensemble piece or something like that if it's a better script. So, you know, Ben Affleck went through this, the Daredevil period of his life, the Reindeer Games mm-hmm. period. So, you know, maybe she's going through a little bit of that. But, yeah. Please let this be better than, Good. say, you know, the Gray Man or some of these other efforts <laughs> that have come through uh, and give me a, a really good spy thriller this time because I love that. Yeah, You're updating the moviegoers' pr- prayer of please let this be good. Please let this be better than the Gray Man. <laughs> yes, yes. It shouldn't be hard. Um, but, yeah, Extraction 2 already looks like they're beefing up the action, so that at least should be fun 
on some level, even though the the story was very thin the first time. So I don't even know where we're going this time. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> More or less kills in extract, Extraction Two than in John Wick Chapter Four. Oof. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. I mean, you can't. <laughs> Just for the length alone, John Wick 4 has to have one of the biggest body counts in the history of mankind. But I already saw what they had that teaser trailer for Extraction 2 where he's like taking, I think he like got gets caught on fire and is still beating someone with the arm that's on fire. Like it's that type of movie. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun at least with that. And, and for a, you know, right in the middle of the summer, that's perfect timing. And we're running short on time, and I apologize to Mike One, our editor on this episode. He wishes he could be here today, but I didn't get into the documentaries. And in a way, it's because they don't have a ton right now, Andrew. No. Pamela, Pamela, a love story was something I was glad, I, I'm glad I watched. It, it told her story from her perspective, Pamela Anderson, uh, after the Pam and Tommy Hulu series, solid B grade for me. The hatchet-wielding hitchhiker was okay, kind of up and down, a sad, effed-up story yeah. in many ways. And Mike and I previewed both The Deepest Breath about spelunking and this Victim Suspect, which seemed like a, a true crime documentary both coming out of Sundance quite a bit are you expecting more acquisitions on the documentary front or do you think maybe the absence of Lisha Nishigura may, maybe they're moving away from documentary feature films and and towards I mean they've obviously been putting out a lot of docu-series yeah I think this is now their mold, right? They acquired Descendant last year. That was the big one. They went to the show with. Uh, you saw. Now you're seeing Deepest Breath and and Victim Suspect are probably going to be their centerpiece stuff that they're going to hope take off uh, with that. So, I, I I've heard pretty good reviews about Deepest Breath. Not something like overly confident in terms of like maybe it's oscar pedigree uh at a sundance uh mm. victim suspect I, I i love the premise i i didn't hear a ton of that coming out of sundance you're more of the on the documentary side um yeah. you know and i don't well, know if you caught either of these during sundance no. so, or heard but I, I to me this is probably as much as they're gonna go with i i don't see them huh. you know taking another swing in the especially if they're you know firing people from the department i would imagine maybe. you know maybe they're going to hold tight with what they've already done here's the only caveat on that and you might be right but they are releasing both of those in like may and june i i think so they may have they may have openings in their schedule for documentary features later in the year uh they've they've released them you know, in the past, obviously we've covered it. They had Oscar nominated films from August and certainly right. in the fall. But as we know, documentaries, they like to come out, which is wise for you to say, they like to come out in the spring, give them chance to build a grassroots campaign. That does make some sense. Uh, okay. So we're probably going to focus on live action, or I know we're going to focus on live action <laughs> uh, in terms of the narrative features here. So let's recap what we went over. Fair play, pain hustlers, the killer, leave the world behind rebel moon, Maestro, Nyad, Shirley, Spaceman, The Piano Lesson, Rustin, Henry Sugar, The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar there. Andrew, it is time for you to reveal the Netflix <laughs> Big Three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this will be uh, controversial. And again, we're talking about Oscar-specific here in mm. terms of Big Three. I think it's probably going to be 
Maestro being the centerpiece here because you can't deny you know, Bradley, the, Cooper. The, Bradley Cooper and with Spielberg and Scorsese backing you. It's insane. Like You just can't uh, ask for anything more Oscar-y at this point, you would think, um, at least for nomination's sake. And then mm-hmm. Leave the World Behind, I have a lot of high hopes for. I'm hoping, again, if they have such uh, high hopes to put it in that December date that this is their – they're swinging it like a white noise and see how that goes. I'd be interested to see whether they put this at like a New York film festival or, wow. or some, or maybe it goes to something a little more genre friendly, maybe like, um, AFI, uh, potentially okay. maybe, or something like that towards the end of the year and try to platform it, get it tick. away from Maestro because it has okay. a later push date. Um, tick, tick, boom was an AFI play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where I was kind of going with, um, where, you know, it was able to separate itself there. And then Rustin, because I think Coleman Domingo has a better chance, maybe than or Regina King. I think they have a lot of confidence in the fact that they put out the the photos early and everything else that those three are probably uh, what we're going to see. And then, you know, animated, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, if they can and recapture that magic, but you know, chicken run, it's a sequel. <laughs> Is that going to work for them? You know, I I liked Magician's (laughs) Elephant, but I don't know if that's going to have enough to overcome the Pixar's and Disney's of the world and everything else. So I'd have to be shocked if something like came across and, and, and put something towards an Oscar thing. But again, I think they care less and less about that, especially now that they actually won Best Animated Feature last year. Well, leave the world behind as your inspired pick there amongst Maestro and Rustin for your Netflix big three. I do wonder if David Fincher's The Killer could pop in there and kind of break your trend, but uh, I fear you may be right in that regard. Otherwise, Nyad in The Piano Lesson with uh, Annette Benning and Samuel Jackson as potential overdue Oscar picks. I'm sure. rooting for them, let's just say. But, wow, a, a hell of a slate from Netflix. They are certainly not eschewing the Oscars yet. Any rumors to the contrary are ridiculous. Yeah, and Mike, real quick question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Snyder's history with VizFX or any of the other awards on the crafty side, does he usually you know, pop in there at all? Do you know? I don't have a history on that where Rebel Moon with how much they're they're putting towards it, maybe budget wise and everything else that who knows, maybe that might, you know, bring them some extra love in in the crafts. I don't remember him being a huge VFX player, uh, 300 Watchmen. I could kind of look those up real quick. Uh, 300 was not Watchmen, maybe. Hold on. Sucker Punch was not, I'm guessing. Yeah. But uh, I uh, I, ha- I don't have a recollection of him just being like a huge player in that regard. Not even like the Man of Steels or any of those type of things. You know what? Um, I did, we're going or through Justice IMDb. <laughs> the end of every Mike, Mike, and Oscar episode is just us going through IMDb <laughs> and uh, and checking, fact-checking our work, Man of Steel, going clicking fast. Uh, a BAFTA award, so I'm guessing okay. for VFX. Otherwise, I don't see a lot of Rob uh, Rob Schneider, Rob Schneider, <laughs> Zack Schneider. Yes, uh, VFX. The carrot was a big Oscar player, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun pull right there. Uh, no, so so no that I know of, no Zack Snyder Oscar plays yet in VFX. So that is 
a bias on your part. You must love you and Colby love the uh, the very pretty uh, Zack Snyder VFX. I guess. <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> Colby more than me. Uh, he was on for Army of the Dead, and I remember him. Uh, I did that purposely because he's much more of a Snyder head than I am. But uh, we'll yeah. see. I don't. I I don't want you guys to get shut down by all the Snyder fan base on Twitter <laughs> and come at us. So I'm rooting for you guys. I'm rooting for you. The Alita Battle Angel Army's already after us. The, the, the Gaga Monsters and, yeah, Zack Snyder's, I'm sure they're coming for me. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you for doing this. Uh, hopefully our audience knows where to find you by now, but do please remind them uh, if they forgot what's, what's coming up on recent activity, what's coming up on what's on Netflix, uh, where can they find you, and what do you got in store for the future from Andrew Morgan? Yeah, we are recent activity. Uh, you know, like we said, every film, every show, all at once. We cover all the angles of entertainment review. Uh, this week will probably be uh, the combination of Super Mario and Tetris because we're going full video game and where that's all all gone. Big brands. Nice. So we'll we'll probably do that, uh, especially because you know I'm taking my family, like every other dad. Uh, to go see Super Mario this weekend because yeah, I gotta to. tell you, Andrew. Look, I don't need a I don't need a lot from that movie. I enjoyed <laughs> what I got. I enjoyed all the references to the video game stuff. It is an asinine, silly nonsense movie, but oh yeah, not ninety minutes, dude. I I I had fun as a grown ass man hey. last night. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good to know because you know when you're a dad, sometimes you go in, and you're just like, oh god, I am I'm in for it. <laughs> You know, and you just like shake your head and check your phone half the time. So hopefully this does enough between the nostalgia bone my 40 year old self will have and and them getting out of it. We're, we're literally play. I bought my kids a bunch of Mario stuff. They love the Mario thing. So we're good. Uh, hopefully we'll just have a, a big, big fun time. It's um, going to do 200 million. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I can't wait to listen to your next episode on the Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. That's awesome. But uh, check us out, you know, Twitter and Instagram at Recent Act Pod. Um, and also, of course, like we mentioned, uh, what's on Netflix. My reviews come out uh, every Friday or whenever there's like a big release. I don't think there is a big Netflix release this week. So I think I get the week off, guys. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> past Chupa, you know, the review came out today on uh friday here at the seventh so uh check out that review and all my past reviews it's under the uh play pause or stop uh series that i've been doing for them so it's going well i love it i love casey uh the whole team over there at what's on netflix and i'm i'm glad to be aboard so check out those reviews and check out their site for everything netflix because of course if you're listening to this episode you probably care about that set so uh go check out what they do they do a great job so yeah, that that's uh, that's me. You can also follow me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at jokes on Drew. And you're all over that what to watch tab on what's on Netflix. So love to love to click there. As for Mike, Mike and Oscar, we of course are on Instagram and Facebook, everywhere social media. Mike, Mike and Oscar. Otherwise, at M M N Oscar on Twitter is the handle because our title is too long uh, and we can't fit it. <laughs> but you can expect us to continue this Oscars year and preview series until. The, the late fall, I would say. No, I, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do our 100% accurate picks eventually. We got our box office futures episode planned. We got our 
annual top 10 feared films list with swell because this series has been disgustingly positive thus far <laughs> and we got to talk about the movies that we're a little afraid of uh that could contend or that uh certainly uh we 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 maybe don't want to see i don't know what the shared film's going to be this year with amanda but she's definitely going to make fun of my 35 page google document <laughs> alien be. spider mike get her into that <laughs> there Let's you do go. it <laughs> uh of course you can find our podcasts on apple spotify google everywhere as you said andrew and please help out both recent activity and mike mike and oscar if you could with some five star ratings with some likes with some positive reviews they go a long way to helping us grow uh andrew give my best to shane and chris love uh, listening to you guys and again those five star ratings help all of us it only take a few seconds and we thank you so much for doing so follow everything andrew morgan those are the words of wisdom today and that is our show this is mike mike and oscar making awards season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all next time see you